I'm not a fan of the word pet either. And in my work, <laughs> we're the pets of them. Mm. <laughs> you know, they are such sentient beings and they're here to teach and, and, and help us in so many ways to grow and learn. You're listening to Let's Be Omnist, the show where we are celebrating spiritual diversity, one truth, and one story at a time. My name is Michael Anthony, spiritual life coach and intuitive reader from thedivinerlife.com. Thank you for tuning in to season two, episode number five. I have been looking forward to sharing this conversation with you for way too long. Today, you get to hear my chat with Mitchell Osborne, who is an animal communicator and a pet psychic. Our conversation is one that I've been excited about because right in the middle of our chat, Mitchell shared a message with me directly from my dog, and I was shocked by the accuracy. So I can't wait for you to hear that. As a 90s kid, in the moment, I felt like I was talking to a real-life Eliza Thornberry. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, don't judge me. Anyway, a little about Mitchell. He is a psychic medium, an animal communicator, tarot card reader, and a mindfulness transformation coach. He's been working globally and professionally since 2009, and Mitchell works remotely via the internet, which is where I met him, as well as in person. He helps navigate his clients in identifying soul-level solutions for balance, harmony, wellness, enlightenment, and growth, all to raise their personal vibration. He uses a humorous, and I mean humorous, direct and compassionate approach in his sessions and wants his clients and students to recognize the world of energy that exists around them so that they can be confident and empowered to make decisions from their own intuitively informed place. In this episode, we will talk about how Mitchell fell into the world of animal communication, what it means exactly to be a pet psychic, and some of the funny things that he's learned from his conversations, with the animals, that is. With all of that said, grab yourself a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, a cup of whatever you like, because in the spirit of truth and honesty, here is my conversation with Mitchell Osborne. So hello, hello. Welcome to Let's Be Omnist. I am so excited to have you here today, Mitchell. Thank you for being here. Oh my goodness. I was very excited when I got your communication about this. And um, I hope that <laughs> I hope that we don't just laugh the entire time because I know your energy is very fun and flowing and energetic, but um, I am just very excited to be here. So thank you. If we do a whole episode of laughter, I am fine with that. I think it could really benefit some people. So laugh okay. all you need to. <laughs> I will. So I specifically wanted to bring you on the show today because you offer something that I honestly don't think I've seen anywhere else. Um, and I'm really, really excited to dive into the topic of animal communication. Yay! <laughs> but before I get lost in that world, I want to give some people, uh, some listeners, an opportunity to get to know you better. So we're actually going to play a quick game um, oh, called Two Truths and a Lie. So all you're going to do is you're going to tell me two truths about yourself and one lie, and I have to guess which one is which. Okay, so two truths and one lie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Make sure I got it right. And I, I have notes <laughs> written down, um, and I have more. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you which I have more of. Uh, I am. This is this is the truth, but I'm setting it up. So I am one of three boys. So that is actually a truth. So I'll say that loud. But growing up. I was extremely athletic, like up until like 20 years old. Okay. 
And um, I owned an improv theater for 10 years. Okay. And um, I came out of the closet, the, the uh, sexual closet, <laughs> not the terror closet. I came out of the closet at 33 years old. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so you strike me as extremely healthy. So even though I want to say that the athletic one is a lie, I'm not going to pick that. I'm going to choose the improv theater as the lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Okay, which one is it? So, um, so I was not athletic. <laughs> oh, dang it. Okay. But I was the morbidly obese, 240-pound fat kid at 15 years old between two skinny athletic brothers. And because of that, at, at 21, when I discovered aerobics, thank you, Jane Fonda, Cindy Crawford, um, <laughs> I've been in that industry for 32 years teaching group fitness classes. So I wasn't athletic until later, but growing up, I was the fat kid. I even, I even had a bout with anorexia where I'd go days and days and days without eating. So like five days without eating. Wow. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in that field thanks to that stuff. So I've always been appreciative of all the, the crap I went through as a kid. That's so, so interesting because honestly, yeah. I look at you and I'm like, I hope that I like <laughs> stay as fit and that I age well and that I look as good as Mitchell does when I get his age. Like I am just and so... I'm 53. So I'm 53 years old. No, you're not. Yeah. I'm 53. Born in 1966. Okay. So what you're saying is I need to start doing aerobics like now. <laughs> <laughs> that I am too, a little too late already, but it's okay. I can maybe catch up. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah. And I, my degree's in theater and I did own an improv theater for 10 years and um, I didn't come out. December of 1999, everything changed. The mil new millennia, Y2K. And I finally said, okay, I can come out. You know, it was, it's at 33. I think I came out. Wow. Yeah. Those are all, those are the truths. Okay, so you you've been both in this fitness industry as well as theater for a long much, time. Yeah, since I was twenty one years old, they they came into my life about the same time. Wow! And so, on top of everything that you do today, or uh, as far as like your spiritual work, you also are still involved in those fields. I am. I am a full time fitness manager. I still teach a program called Body Step. I've taught multiple programs and things over the years, but I just, as a manager now, I just teach twice a week and I manage about 30 instructors and several other volunteers um, for a big giant medical organization in the U.S. And we have a gym in one of the hospitals that I work in. So my work is done nights and weekends. That's so interesting. So this is actually perfect because I want to know how your spiritual journey started. So like, how do you go from theater and fitness to the spiritual work you do today? So, okay. And I'll, <laughs> so yeah, closeted, closeted gay kid, you know, growing up the family, we did not attend church, but we had some conservative views. My dad was about to become an Episcopal minister before he met my mom. My mom was kind of Southern Baptist. So we had some of those conservative views and, you know, in a small town, Polk County, Florida, Got it. Understood. You know, say I no know more. I know where you are. <laughs> <laughs> say no more. Um, so just, you know, just a rough existence, but it, it is, it may be who I am today, which I appreciate. And, you know, at 21, I discovered theater. And at 21, I threw myself, and I always call it a journey for truth. 
And that's when it felt like I went on. And the truth was, you know, me kind of finding out about my homosexuality. Um, and it led me into the Nazarene church. And mm. so I went in and it was either that or Pentecostal church. And that was just scared me. Now, if I went back to church, I would go to the Pentecostal church because the Nazarene church was boring. But I threw, <laughs> when I do anything, I throw myself in head first. So I threw myself in head first. Before I knew it, I was, you know, helping with the youth group. You know, I wasn't the youth pastor, but I was helping. Then I started getting connected with the, the, the pageantry theater programs. I went back to school at 27 to got, got my degree in theater from the Nazarene University in Nashville, Tennessee, called Trevecca. And I say those three years were the best and worst time of my life because when I got there on campus within two months, I was in therapy because I was Ooh. just having that, you know, meltdown, breakdown, being away on your own for the first time. So probably from, was it 92? Oh, and at and this month, as we're recording this, December of 1991 uh, was the last time I've ever had any alcohol, drugs of any kind, and mostly it was just alcohol for me. But I remember in February of 92, looking back and thinking, I've not had any alcohol. I'm going to ride this wave out because I, I drank my, you know, I numb my feelings and my mm. abilities and all that stuff with alcohol. So, you know, it all is just coming to this massive head in 91, 92, go off to school, three years. And then from 92 till like 2000, I was in and out of different counselors and therapists trying to figure out what was wrong with me. But the beautiful thing is, is, and the Nazarene church really encourages you to talk to the Holy Spirit. So me and the Holy Spirit had many conversations and it was really one of my good gifts, which the funny part about it is, you know, here I am, you know, them trying to encourage you to connect with the Holy Spirit and talk to him. And after nine years of therapy and getting so much taken care of, you know, the resentment towards family, you know, the closeted kid feeling unloved growing up because they didn't speak my love language, which is quality time, all that stuff taken care of. I'll never forget December of 1999, driving through little old Winter Haven, Florida, in Polk County, beating the steering wheel because I literally heard the Holy Spirit's voice, which I was very familiar with for the last nine years of my connection in the church, say, it's okay, go find a man. And I remember beating the wheel saying, what the F are you talking about? <laughs> After all this, you're saying it's okay. So I did, and I started dating and blah, blah, blah. Once I finally moved to Orlando um, with my now husband, then partner in 2007, I started, you know, getting into classes here in Orlando of, you know, metaphysical stuff and psychic and medium and all this kind of stuff. Because I up in, from 2000 till about 2007, I was reading books quietly in my home, mm. you know, with the curtains closed. I yeah. lived alone, but I didn't want to be seen with the book. And I love to tell this because anybody who reads tarot cards, they usually clutch their pearls when I say this. But I'll never forget, I had my first tarot deck, starting to learn about it. And I love tarot. Tarot is like my main go-to. I have like literally sitting next to me, I have about 110 decks. And um, yeah, just, a, just 110. I'm not a real collector. But the first time I had a bad day, I remember going, okay, what's wrong? What's the matter? What's this evil coming into my life? <gasps> it's the tarot cards. I snatched them up, walked down the street, threw them into the dumpster and came back to my house. And since then, I've apologized. Okay. The, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> to those cards. And I believe in my heart and my soul, somehow that deck found its way to somebody that needed it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah so then once i started you know diving in you know i tried to do the mcc church which is kind of the the gay church mm -hmm. had a good time there 
But, you know, now, you know, I just organized religion is not something that I connect with and some people do, but it was the best and worst time of my life. So I understand its role in my life. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, so I started, you know, studying everything. The first book I had, it's, it's on my shelf back here is You Are Psychic by Deborah Lynn Katz. Started working through that book and uh, just all things, you know, metaphysical. I've studied some things stick with me. Some things don't like runes. I've just never connected with them. I can't get so, those to stick no matter I, how hard I try. And you would think I'm, I'm, I'm like, my ancestry is very British. My beard was red. I'm freckle faced. <laughs> I was green eyed. You know, you think I'd have some of that Nordic blood in me somewhere, but it just didn't connect. But the tarot cards are literally my family, you know, mm. and Oracle and Lenormand even so. So there's my long, I thought it was going to be a short answer, but it wasn't. <laughs> no, that was good. It really took me through. Um, I didn't realize that you and I have such a similar background in like the church and like figuring that out first and then finding your way yeah. into the metaphysical world. Um, because I know that, you know, I've read that 2007 was kind of the beginning year for you, but I didn't expect that. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing. The, the reason I was so emphasizing the Holy Spirit's voice, I'll never forget driving home from a metaphysical class one night again, and it was raining. And literally the voice said, did you think my voice was going to change? <laughs> from, from when you're in the church to now when you're studying metaphysics, I thought, okay, they're going to hand me over to a different speaker. But no, in other words, that's, that's why I look back at the Nazarene church. I'm like, they, I mean, you know, when I took the tests, you know, prophecy was my gift. So I'm literally sitting here going, oh my gosh, you know, who knew this? I'm, I'm March 14th, so I'm a true Pisces, you know? So I am extremely intuitive and psychic. And, and it was one of those things where I was like, oh, okay, the voice didn't change. You've been the same. I'm the one that's changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, I think the only difference was maybe it got a little louder, if anything, <laughs> like, because I was actually listening. Um, so when did, I know you said you love tarot and oracle and like the cards are really your go-to when did animal communication find its way into your life? Um, and, and I will say this, when I do any animal communication or, and I'm a medium. So anytime I, I'm a, anytime I go to mediumship with someone crossed on the other side, cards are set aside. I mean, literally it's almost a natural reaction for my hand to set them aside. So when I work with animals, I hardly ever, ever use cards. And so met my um, now husband, Fabian, in January 25th of 2007 on the dance floor of mannequins at Pleasure Island. And we've been together ever since. I'll never forget the night. And he had a Pomeranian, a Dachshund, and an American short-haired cat. So I come into his life, and there are these animals, and the Pomeranian was just like all over me, licking, licking. I'm like, mm, we don't, I don't lick. I'm not really that much of a dog person. And But then the more I hung out with these two dogs, I realized, oh, my gosh, I'm a small dog person. <laughs> Got it. Because they're kind of, they're basically cats. <laughs> yeah. And and I am, and I've always thought that I was a cat person. And, and I do have a big connection. So because one of my lies, actually, one of my truths was going to be that if I lived alone or when I did live alone, I didn't have animals. And I didn't because I knew that I, my life is so much outside my house that I don't give them the attention they need mm. inside. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a Pisces. I come home, I close the curtains, I go to bed. I wake up and I go back out. I would sit in the Barnes and Noble and read with a cup of coffee rather than sit at home and read. Mm. So the animals were in his life and I came in and then I started learning doing this work and I'm like, oh my gosh, I know exactly what's going on, what they're saying. And um, I was teaching a tarot card class in Kissimmee, Florida, and um, 
I made a joke to someone. I said, oh, God, one day my business card is going to say pet psychic. I mean, like rolling my eyes, you know, so be careful what you wish for, because literally it has become, it's probably 40%, maybe 50% of my business is animal communication. So about that many, that amount of my clients is, you know, is what animal communication is. And just started studying some, and it's funny because you said you've not met many people and they I will say this respectfully, the, the ones I've known and met that do the work are usually 55 plus women, 55 years old plus women. Um, you know, uh, Linda Tellington, jo- Linda Jones Tellington, I think it's Linda Jones Tellington. She's an older woman that's been doing it for 40 years. Um, Carol Gurney, these are all my teachers and most of them I've read through books, um, some online classes. Um, Danielle McKinnon is one of the younger ones that I know that's out here doing animal communication, but there just aren't a lot. And sometimes I think it's because it's not, I don't think it's more of a challenge for them, but you certainly, you're, you're, you're running blind because the animals can't say, yeah, that's right. You got it. You know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Either you have to rely back on the human who is their caretaker or their human, I say, you know, to give the feedback. And, um, it's one of those things where I hardly ever say something like I'm about to say, but my gosh, the animal communication comes so easy to me. And I mean, and it, it sounds like, like pious and, and, and braggadocious, but, no. but I, I've had to, because I, I shied away from it. I was like, I don't want to do animals. I want to do humans. But I, and I, you know, and literally in the last couple of weeks, I've changed my, my business page to animal communication, pet psychic, um, you know, it's, like I said, it's become one of my main businesses and I'm leading uh, a divination day at the reader studio coming in April. I'm, I'm one of the main stage presenters on animal communication. So the moment I started owning it, the door started opening up for bigger things. So, yeah, sometimes I think that, you know, there's always that like nagging voice. Cause you talk about listening to the Holy spirit. So <laughs> you'll probably understand this a little bit more than most people I talk about this with, but sometimes you have that nagging voice or like that push and you're just like, yeah, yeah, I hear you. I know, I know, I know. And so when you finally do give in, it's like, all right, here's all the stuff we've been trying to hand you for years. And all of a sudden it just seems like opportunity flows in. So I totally get that. Yeah. Um, I'm sitting here. Go ahead. And I even shied away from cards at one point because one of my mediumship teachers was like, and I'm, I'm glad I was a strong enough person at that time to realize she was just doing what she thought was best for me. But she said, you don't need cards. They're a crutch for you. You don't need cards. That's mm-hmm. because she comes from the spiritualist church and they really believe not, not, they just don't use the cards so much. They, they probably are a crutch for them, but for me, they enhance my work. And, and if I go to mediumship, the cards go down because I'm connecting right with spiritual energy. Yeah, that makes sense. So you said that you don't use cards usually when you're doing animal communication work. So how would you describe like how those messages come through for people that are like, what do you mean you communicate with animals? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, is a, that really is the best part. So um, typically what happens because I work remotely. So um, someone purchased a 30-minute session from me. And in that purchase, they, I'm asking them for a picture of one animal. So they send me that picture. And when, when, they, when I call them, I've already spent five to 10 minutes connecting with the image of the animal, asking them questions. You know, how's your energy level? How do you feel about the situation? What's your favorite toy? And I literally just write, write, write. And I usually have about a, almost a full page of information before I even get to the person. And I, you know, I come on. I set an intention for them and I say, I'm going to read all this stuff. It may take five to 10 minutes. Stop me anytime you need to. 
or let me know what makes sense to you. You'll have plenty of time to ask questions about what's going on. Um, you know, and, and the cool thing is I can also look into the animal's health, but when I connect and I'll, and I'll go species <laughs> by species. So when I'm working with a cat, I'm usually talking right to them. I feel like they're an evolved enough being 95% of the time that I'm talking to their energy. If I'm talking to like a chihuahua, palm, dachshund, a smaller dog, Yorkie, usually I'm talking to them and their energy. If I'm talking to like a lab or St. Bernard, they're usually more just big dog energy, very earthy, grounded energy. And because they're very much earth energy for me, the bigger dogs. And oftentimes I feel like I'm talking either to their higher self or what I call an interpreter. Um, Horses are such sentient beings. I'm almost always, and those are my top three, Um, uh, dog, dog and cat pretty much equal. Then right below horses are the next thing I get a lot of. Um, And, uh, and the horses, I'm usually talking to them and I'm very, um, very clairvoyant, but also very clairaudient. So I literally, I do believe it's their voice I'm hearing. And sometimes if it's a bigger dog, they're like, their, their, their responses are, yep, nope, love, don't. And just like single word sentences, you know, like a little, you know, six month old or nine month, I don't even know about boys don't start talking too late. It's maybe like a year old boy trying to talk. Um, and cats are like, you know, just usually chatty catties. Um, and they're, they're, you know, the, the, you know, the image, it's a cartoon image of like two cats or a cat looking at a human and the human saying, what are you thinking? And then the image of the cat's brain is like two aliens looking through them. It's literally <laughs> like that. It's like they are just alien beings here to help us. So it, it is their voices I hear. It's often images that I get, but usually it's, a, it's voices um, and that I'm hearing and uh, connecting with. And uh, just, just, yeah, so very, very, very unusual. I'm really glad that you broke it down by species because one of the questions I wanted to ask you was like, do different species sound different? And it actually came up because I was like joking with my husband. He was super excited that I was going to talk to you because honestly, I'm pretty sure he would choose our dog over me any day. Um, And he said, you should ask him if cats are funnier than dogs. And I was like, that's a really interesting question because I didn't consider that different animals talk different ways. So cats, in my experience, because uh, I have I have two in my house, I have we'll say two outside that will quote say belong to us. Um, but I, I won't say they're funnier, like like British humor, like okay. high wit <laughs> and sarcastic, bitchy, um, kind of like drag queen humor. I would say That's where funny. dogs are more like, um, like, like TV show friends, just real in your face, simple, fun humor. Sometimes, um, I almost say slapstick, but it's very, just very down to earth kind of sense of humor. Um, but cats are, cats are serious in, in most of the, the connection that I get because they're here uh, with, I just think they have such a, a, a elevated consciousness. I really do when they come in. Yeah. So it's just, and sometimes I just get a cat that's just a cat. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, then the other kind of species that I connect with, I don't think I've actually, I don't think I've had a snake, but I've connected with lizards and stuff. And I have an affinity for, for reptiles. I mean, I really mm. do. I think I, we've had this conversation about um, alien beings. Oh yeah. Um, but I highly connect with the alien reptilian 
beings, highly connect with them. So, um, you know, I'll never forget, we were doing a, I was doing a workshop with one of my teachers and we were at a zoo and we got to go off to a side room and they brought in an owl and like, and everybody got to stand up and stand 10 feet from them and connect with them. Well, they brought in this giant monitor lizard. It was probably like four feet and the, and the, the park person was holding him and he was like hissing at every person. I stood up, walked forward, it starts purring. I'm the only one that it started purring with. And I remember just connecting and felt his, you know, it was like Larry the Lounge Lizard, just such a cool connection. And their lineage just goes so far back, like mm. on this earth, where I feel like dogs were a gift to this planet and not too far back. And cats, I feel like, were, you know, planted by the aliens, you know, to, to connect here. So again, just their, you know, how they connect back is very interesting to me as well. That's really interesting because actually this whole time you've been talking about cats, I heard you mention more than once like that idea of them being like a higher energy being. And I kept picturing like the whole Egyptian love for cats. And then yeah. you said aliens. And I was like, oh, ancient aliens and cats and Egyptians. Oh man, this is so exciting. Who oh, knew yeah. that our conversation <laughs> would go there? Um, that's really I am interesting. all about that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that totally changes the way that I look at that. And I feel like that's such a rabbit hole that I'm not prepared to dive into. <laughs> um, have me back on another show. We'll do it. <laughs> done. That is perfect. Aliens what would, and animals. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of like animal origins, what would you say is like the earliest connection that you remember? Would it be like with your husband's Pomeranian or? So no. So, and this is, this is almost something I use as one of my truths. So growing up, um, our family, we didn't respect animals like I do today, and I didn't know any better. We had dogs that were guard dogs. They unfortunately were, you know, left outside at the, mm. at the family business when it was cold. They just, you know, they had a little wooden box to get into, um, you know, and it was. And we had a couple cats in the house, but I was literally every time I think of the pet cemetery, I was the the, the crypt keeper. Nobody in my family would bury the dang animals in my house, so uh. I was. And it's so funny because, and it's not that they wouldn't bury them, but it was like I was always the one that'd be like, I'll take care of them. But, you know, I probably buried outside of our family business and house probably 10 animals along the fence. And, and of course, you know, I don't know if, you know, Pisces are the last sign in the Zodiac. They're very connected to death. I mean, mm -hmm. so it's one of the, and I have, you know, I'm not afraid of death. I don't want to be in pain going crossing over. But, you know, the moment I leave this planet, I'm going to be like, hell yes, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, um, I've been here my whole life already. I know what I'm doing. I've always felt I was going to live way beyond 100, and I still do. But as long as, you know, as long as I'm quality, happy, healthy, fun, I'm good. Um, but I was like, like I said, I was like the gravekeeper. And, you know, I'll never forget this cat. We called him her mommy kitty. And I come walking in and she's just hanging out, her head's hanging off the side of her box. And I'm like, oh, damn it. You know, and I made sure she was not breathing. And I was like, okay, mommy kitty died. I'm going to take her out back. And they're like, oh, good. Thank you so much. Just like not even thinking about it. And I was the one that had to take one of our, our little miniature poodles to the vet. And I'll never forget driving there. I was probably like 18. And I remember, you know, I just like handed him over um, and I signed a piece of paper. And I realized what I was signing was the paper giving him permission to, to put him to sleep, to kill him. And I'll never forget the feeling getting in the car and driving away because I just didn't know what I, I didn't have a concept of what I was involved in. Um, even though I was at 18 years old, it just it was not part of my consciousness. And, um, you know, with my husband and I, 
we've um, we've said goodbye to two Pomeranians and a cat, which we, you know, and they always go around holidays. One was Memorial Day, one was Groundhog's Day, and one was two days before Thanksgiving. And, you know, usually after hours, take them to the emergency vet, kiss them, hug them, say goodbye, bring them home, and we bury them in the backyard. So mm. it was, you know, and we have, a, it's very ritualistic for us. We cry our eyes out. <laughs> but, you know, as painful as it is, I always tell people, you know, as deep as the pain is, that's how wide the love was. And that's what's so cool about them being in our lives. You know, and I, and I always say the same thing when I go to the work next day and people, you know, said, oh, I saw your post or whatever. I said, you know what? It's, it's painful. I'd do it again tomorrow if I had to for as much as I got to connect with them and learn from them and grow from them. Yeah. So your um, first connections with them really started like early age, even though you weren't taught like, yeah. oh, yeah, connect with your animals. You were connecting with them on that other side of like the pain and the loss. It's yeah. really interesting. And... I remember, this is something I always remember, and I don't know, I can't picture much more of this, but there was there was a, a rock in the grass in our yard, and I remember as a kid, probably seven, eight years old, standing on the rock and looking around to make sure nobody could see me because I knew if I believed hard enough, the rock would lower me down into the underworld, and there was a whole world of animals there. And that was my imagination, and I remember either in dream time or in that in that moment of standing on top of this rock, being underground and almost like Alice in Wonderland place mm. where I could connect with them and talk with them. So I don't remember if I dreamt it or it was a vision I had as a kid because I was again so young. But um, but yeah, yeah, you know, there was a connection, but it wasn't like it is today. That's for right. Sure. I definitely understand that. I always tell people when they ask me similar questions like, "Where did your spiritual connection start?" I tell them what I know to be true, like dates that I can remember. But then I always mention, you know, the first time I had a reading, they brought up things about like imaginary friends as a kid. And I remember those things, but I don't like, I, do I actually remember it? Was it a dream? So I totally get that. Now also at, at seven years old, six and seven years old, I was a hyperactive kid who was up at six o'clock on Sunday morning while everybody else was asleep. So my mom played bridge and a lot of other card games, spades, um, hearts, um, there's another game she played, but I remember, you know, I would get her cards. So here I am six, seven years old playing with the cards. I would shuffle them and I'd hold it up to my head and I would try to guess the color first because I knew that was 50, 50 chance. And then I would try to, you know, telepathically guess spades, hearts, clubs, diamonds, you know, which is one out of four chance. And then I would try to go deeper and figure out exactly what card it was. You know, so here's this kid playing with cards, and I even would try to move pencils with my mind. I mean, so somewhere I knew this, whether I saw it on a TV show or not. And last year at Reader Studio, George Corey was um, doing a thing, and he said, you want to know what your life purpose is? Go back to when you were a kid. And what were some of the favorite things you enjoyed doing? I said, oh, my God, I love sitting around with my grandmother and her sisters playing cards. And, mm -hmm. I thought, and in that moment, I'm sitting at Reader Studio. And I said, I love to hang around with old women and cards. And I'm literally <laughs> sitting at a Reader Studio with probably 100 mostly women and maybe like 30 guys. But so I was like, oh, my gosh, it's, it's fortuitous. <laughs> That's so funny. That's exactly, as you're saying all these things, I'm like, actually, yeah, that was me. I, I love doing all of those things. And That's... I even remember my great-grandmother, we called her Mamie. I remember like walking out of her bedroom, seeing her and her sister sitting at a table and they had big bouffant hairs and they were from the New England area. And this was probably 10 or 11 years old. I remember looking at them going, I'm looking at three witches. I mean, I really thought what, did, what am I, I remember thinking back, why did I think they were three witches sitting around a table playing cards? But mm. I can't find anywhere in my family 
other than my grandfather, who was a metaphysical minister, who I did not know he was a metaphysical minister until I was like 34 years old. Because my mom did not have a good relationship with him. But he, he, my mom was very psychic in dreams. And that, and the, that comes down through her bloodline, from her father to her to me. So there was, de- and he was Russian. He was born in Russia. Last name was French, but he's actually German. So, so that's complicated. Yeah. Good luck with that, 23 and me. I know. I, <laughs> um, so what I was going to mention is that, like, it's interesting that you're, animal connection started with more of that aspect of like death and the other side and like dealing with that. Do you find that your work with animal communication is more with passed on animals or do people tend to come to you more for their animals that are still living? I would say 60% still alive, 40% crossed over. Totally the opposite of what I thought you were going to say. Yeah. Yeah. 60% most of them are alive because there's beha- they're trying to figure out behavior problems and stuff like that. Mm. Um, or what is my animal trying to tell me? And usually the horse people that come to me, and I, it's funny because the horse people totally get it because they have horse whispers. They have people who come out and like a horse whisper, I think, if, if, I, if I'm wrong, correct me somebody, but I think they're a behavioralist who really know how to read the body language of the horse and everything. And horses are communicating all the time. Um, so, so, you know, the cats and dog people, they're oftentimes, you know, my cat just won't start pissing all over the house. And, and usually when I do a reading, 99% of the time, <laughs> by the time we get to the end of the reading, it's about the human and not the animal. Because if mm. someone says, my cat's pissing all over the place, I said, so tell me. And first of all, are you the only human in the house? Yeah. I said, so who are you pissed at? Why are you, what are you mad at? Well, I hate work. I, you know, so I'm like, so there are people that you would love to go piss all over at work and tell them to shut up. I said, well, your animal is just reflecting what's going on in your life right now. Mm. You, know, you know, my cat won't come out from under the bed. It's, it's, it just stays under the bed the entire time. I said, so how's life for you? Oh, I'm agoraphobic. Okay. You know, <laughs> it's, 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 it, they, they reflect more of what's going on in our lives than anything else. And when, and here's a, here's, here's a big I do this a lot. I'll, I'll say pro bono, but I, I do this a lot, you know, without charging because I usually like to tap in quick. And if it needs more, I say, okay, sign up after, after we talk, but missing pets, missing animals, they usually go missing for a reason. Mm. And a lot of times I say, how's the energy in your house? Would you want to live in your house? And they're like, well, no, my husband and I are going through a divorce. We hate each other. I say, well, the cat doesn't want to be there either. That's why they're gone. You know, so you mm. know, communicate with them, let them know what's going on. That, you know, mommy and daddy are going to be fine. You know, eventually this is, you're probably going to go with me. You know, let, just give them the images of what's going to happen. But a lot of times I'll even do, I even created a tapping video for missing pets where we use the EFT tapping to mm-hmm. kind of clear our own energy. Because usually the animals will come back the moment we either get the lesson, make the energy shift. Um, uh, you know, one time I said, so did, the, I said, is there like a, is there like an adolescent male that, that just left the house? Oh yeah, my son just went off to college. I said, well, that's why the animal went missing. He went looking for the, the, the male that has been in his life for the last 10 years. No one told him, you know, Jimmy's going off to college and he hasn't seen Jimmy in two months now. So the cat is wondering, where's Jimmy? Mm, <laughs> and he went looking for so Jimmy. Interesting. Oh, it's, it's this, the, can I cuss? The shit yes. that comes out, <laughs> the shit that comes out is crazy. I mean, it really is. That's so interesting to me because I'm just thinking of situations now where like I have a friend whose cat went missing recently and at the same time we were talking about like how stressed they were. So like the cat situation came up because we were already talking about their stress and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry that that's now adding to it. 
And so to think about like, oh, well, the cat was probably like, everyone in here is stressed. I'm going to go hang out outside for a little bit. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, super exactly. interesting. Um, when you, you mentioned the um, EFT tapping video, and I may or may not have, you know, binged a bunch of your <laughs> YouTube videos. Um, you actually did a video where at the very beginning, you talked about like projecting images into your animal's mind, like as a way of communicating. Yes. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that? Because that's a really interesting concept to me. And and that is, and I'm, I, I'm a storyteller teacher at heart. So Same. for me, that is the ultimate lesson. And here's the best way I can describe it. If in your house, your dog or what animal, whatever animal is not allowed on your couch, that's just your rule. Let's just say that's your rule. Not my rule. They're, they're allowed everywhere. But you walk into the living room and your dog is on the couch. Usually we say, get off the couch, get off the couch. The image you're holding is an image of them on the couch. And what I notice with animals is they're kind of like, well, I think you're telling me with your words, you want me off the couch, but the image you're sending me is a picture of me on the couch. So I'm kind of confused. What, what do you want? What do you want? Mm. So if you walk in the living room and the, cat, the dog is on the couch, go to your bed, go to your bed. This is where you want to go. With my own personal experience, um, Bartolomeo, he's still here. He's still with me right now. He's my reader. He sits with me as I do work. But he is this big 20-pound cat. He's not fat. He's just a beast. But he came to us, and he would pad the water with his foot. And he usually would empty the bowl, you know, and then he would lick his foot. And I said, you know, so one day I was like, duh, I need to put my own money where my mouth is and teach this cat what to do. So I sat down with him. and, And here's the other thing dogs you can usually get them to understand the lesson in one or two minutes cats you got to do it about 20 minutes five times (laughs) before before they get it because they're they're very much into their own world but so i sit down and bart's licking with popping with his paw licking it and i said bart use your mouth so the image i'm sending him is of him using his mouth to drink out of the water bowl it's a fountain that dribbles so i have to say and he'll, he'll put his hand in the water and then he'll look at me i'm like use your mouth bart Use your mouth. And I'll put his foot down. Finally, I'll lean forward. Good, Bart. That's what. Use your mouth. Use your mouth. And another good example was um, we have a Himalayan um, Sebastian. And if you know Himalayan cats, they get the goopy goop around their mm-hmm. eyes. So when, we, when, when Sebastian came to us, we bought those little eye makeup remover things for animals, which were twice as much as it was for probably a woman or a drag <laughs> queen. And so we were cleaning his eyes. Well, finally, I said, you know what? Toby, who's no longer with us, he loves to lick. Sheldon the dachshund from head to toe. He gives him a bath. So I said, Toby, your new job is to clean Sebastian's eyes. So I would, as gross as it is, I would send an image of him licking Sebastian's eyes. And within about two or three weeks, I said to Fabian, my husband, I said, have you been cleaning his eyes? He goes, no. I said, neither have I. I said, it's working. It's working. And it took about two months before I caught him doing it. And it is so gross to see a cat licking another cat's eyeballs i mean and just because <laughs> it's eye boogers he's cleaning the right. eye boogers off so and that's another great lesson give your animals a job especially if they're having behavioral issues because it, it may sound fun for us humans to sit around all day eating bonbons and sleeping but it, it can be quite boring and they're there yeah. to help us so you know, Sheldon was to alert us. Toby was to clean. Toby was to catch. We're in Florida, so we have, you know, roaches and spiders. Toby mm-hmm. was to clean. You know, Sebastian, his job is comic relief, you know, and he's just a crazy, funny cat. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, so sending the images of what you want to happen is the best way to communicate. And 
if you can think that everything's coming through your heart to their heart, that's another way to make sure it's kind of more intensified because they kind of live in their heart rather than in their mind. Right. Um, and that's, that, that resonates with me probably 90%, but that's also from pretty much almost all my teachers say the same thing too. That totally makes sense. I um, watched a documentary recently about specifically dogs because I'm a dog person and how they will like look at their owner and then look at whatever they need to like try and communicate like, hey, you, I need your attention first and then I need your attention to go to this thing. Yeah. And so ever since then, I have been paying attention to our own dog and how she does that. And sometimes I'm like, I wish you could just show me in my head what you see in your head because it would make it so much easier yeah. than like, is it this thing you're looking at? Is it this thing you're looking at? So I'm going to try this like, like image share idea. Well, it's so funny because it's like the moment you, you, you mention your dog, I immediately start seeing like, oh, it's so funny. Do you know what Lincoln Logs are? It's I almost do. like, it's almost like, almost like a little Lincoln Log house. And I don't know if it's like a doghouse or something, but it's like, it's very wood, woody, but it's like a, like, a, but it's almost like, it almost looks like a mini uh, mansion or. I mini, know what you're talking about. Like, like, um, what they, what's a Southern man, plantation. It's almost like, cause it's got like pillars, but it's like, that's like what I'm seeing with, with your animal. The moment you mention it, I don't know if that's, cause at first I thought it was a cuckoo clock. I'm like, it's not a cuckoo clock. Why are you talking about this? <laughs> this is because so weird. Cause he just, that's what he showed me. Like the moment you mention him, I'm connected to his energy. So he's kind of showing me that energy. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm truly a little weirded out because <laughs> I'm going to tell you what you're talking about. Um, in our backyard. Oh my gosh, this is so weird. In our backyard, um, we have, um, like an old water pump system and the people that, uh, lived here before us who like built the house and everything, uh, they used like an old, like basically the outline of a dog house to cover the water pump. And when we got, uh, when me and my husband moved here, um, and she first started going out in the backyard, she would like hide in there all the time. Cause she was small enough to like wiggle around the pipe and hide inside of it. And so I'd go outside and I could never find her. And I'd be like, all right, I don't know where you are. And I would always check under the water pump and I would have to like wiggle her out. But recently my parents decided that it was ugly and they were like, all right, we're going to do something. So my dad built this like wooden box and he got the idea of how to shape it based on Lincoln logs. No way. That's he like funny. was like, oh yeah, you know how like Lincoln Log stack, that's how I'm gonna build it. Yeah. So he like built it and put it over the water pump, and she's been trying to figure out how to get into it because there's no door anymore. And so just yesterday she discovered that if she like squeezes against the wall, she can get in the back of it. <laughs> and so yesterday I went out and I couldn't find her, and I was like, there's no way she's in there. And I found her hiding inside this giant wood box. I am really so weirded so, out by this discussion. <laughs> so when you, when you, because you were, you literally said, I just wish you could tell, you know, show me what you're thinking. That's what she was thinking. Like, it's like, that's what she's showing me as you're talking about it. Like that. Cause it, and it's funny because it felt very flat to me too. Like, yep. and it's, it's funny because flat you planks. Said, it's like, um, yeah. little wood, like uh, yeah. fence posts. Yeah. And it felt, it felt fake and faux. Like, and it's funny that you said she can get in there because as you're talking, started talking about it, I'm thinking, yeah, it's, it's just, it's fake. It's not real. Like, cause at first I was thinking, is it an actual dog house? But it didn't feel, it felt fake in a sense. So anyway, mm-hmm. that's funny. So and that's it's huge how- compared to the thing that it used to be. So when you said yeah. mansion, I was like, it probably <laughs> does look like a mansion to her in there. Cause it's so big. Yeah. 
So that's how it works. <laughs> that's, that's so weird. And you know, she does love spaces. Like she loves to hide under futons and she loves like if her crate, um, which we leave open, we don't close her in it, but if we don't cover it with blankets or something to keep it super dark, she won't go in there. Is she a dachshund? No, what, what breed is she? She's a, um, she's mostly beagle. And then she has a okay. tiny itty bit of Siberian Husky. Okay. But she loves to hide, like she likes tight spaces. So I'm wondering if she just wants like a little house to hide in outside. <laughs> and maybe I should get her a dog house to play in. <laughs> or really... just allow her to have that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just pick it up and move it so she has more. And like, room. and like, and, and and like, and you probably understand this. Like, again, we're talking about her. So what is her first name? This is this is it's uh, venti, as in like the Starbucks venti. size. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's too funny. Someone just sent me a link this morning to listen to their son's new um, music, and it's venti something. And this is the synchronicities that keep happening, just like the words keep popping up. So anyway, venti. Um, and like as you're talking about her, I'm seeing a water bowl. She keeps showing me a water bowl. So I ask in my mind, why are you showing me the water bowl? And she wants to make she wants to make sure it's clean. So I don't know if the, the water is clean or you're using something like because I'm a big fan of like I always tell people, you know, if you won't drink it, don't give it to your animal. Because a lot of people just feed right out of the tap and they do it for their animal. And I said, if, if would you drink out of your tap? And they're like, no, I wouldn't. I said, well, get, you know, we use Brita filter, so we do that for our animals. So I don't know if anything's going on with the water bowl or something like that. But yeah, okay, so. so yeah, we literally just changed it out because um, she used to have her own bowl and now she like shares one with uh, my parents' dog. And the big bowl that she prefers to drink out of, they actually just swapped it out. And I noticed like the bottom is uh, where they like lick the bowl is starting to like shed a little bit. And I was like, oh, we need to get you like a ceramic bowl yes. to drink out of. And that's really funny because it just Glass recently changed ceramic. it. Yeah. We just maybe like a week ago. Yeah. So, so, so honestly, I mean, that's how, that's how it works. I will see an image and if I can't directly interpret, I just said, why are you showing me this image? And then they might show me them licking out of it. And a lot of times if I see water bowl, I'm like, you know, what kind of, I just go, what kind of water is it? Is she getting enough water? Make sure she's drinking enough water, something surrounding that kind of a thing. So, so what you're saying is after this, <laughs> you and I are going to book a session and yeah. we'll chit chat with my dog for a little bit. Absolutely. Cause I'm already like, all right, I need to get her a dog house. I'm going to go get her a new water bowl. Done. Figured it out. <laughs> Done. Done. That is so interesting. So if someone wanted to um, like start communicating with their animal more, would you say that the like image um, transfer, I don't really know what you want to talk, call it, would be the best place to start or? Yes. And just be curious, sit down with them and just look at them and just be curious with them. If you're someone who, you know, meditates or does mindfulness, you know, sit with your animal and just stare at them and just notice their fur, notice their eyes, just really connect with them. Um, and I tell people whose animals are older and they're getting older and they're wondering if they're going to live much longer. I said, make sure you connect with their energy because you want to be able to know what it feels like when they are gone. So you can continue to connect with it. Plus you want to know that if it does come back because they do reincarnate not all the time um mm. but they do you know but i would say just just connect with them and if there's behavior that you want to happen then you know focus on that behavior another good example is if you have two cats and one time they got in a fight and every time you see them walking to each other you think oh my god are they going to get in a fight again well you just sent them a message 
please entertain me with the image I just sent you, which is you two tussling it out. So what you want to do is you want to say, oh, I'm so glad you two get along. I love that you sleep together. I love that you, you know, you eat out of the same bowl. You know, you're happy, wonderful. You know, it's beautiful the way you, you know, you, you're, you're loving and kind to each other. You look, you help bathe each other if they're cats. You know, if the dog, you know, I love when people, and this is another thing, people love to support the story of the animal. Oh, they told us that she doesn't like men because she was kicked by a man. And every Mm. time a man walks into their house, they continue to support support that narrative. And I say, you know what? That was the past. The dogs don't hold on to emotional things like we do. If a dog was kicked by a man, they just go, ouch, and they walk away. They don't go, what did I do to deserve that? Did he not like me? Is every man going to treat me this way? They don't do that. Mm -hmm. What they often do is reflect back our narrative. So if, if you find that, Someone said, oh, they, they were abused by the male of the house and you rescue them. You know, just say, well, good thing to coming into our house because all the men that come in here love animals. And when, you, you know, when, when, they, when he maybe cowers or looks away from the man that walks in, you know, send the image of them licking and, and petting and walking together and, and feeding him. You know, but the biggest thing is don't support the negative narrative that was probably once there but is not there anymore. That makes a lot of sense yeah um i again i automatically started thinking of the things <laughs> I, I do of like when my dog looks out the window and i'm on the phone and she can't bark i just think like don't bark don't bark don't bark and i get all the stress of like this is what's going to happen if she starts barking while i'm on this call and now i'm just going to look at her and think like thank you so much for continuing to sleep yeah. peacefully you're so nice i love you Daddy's so much working don't move appreciate your peace <laughs> quiet and support yeah <laughs> so I do that all the time. And every time she starts like, like growling a little bit, I'm like, oh God, here it comes. She's going to bark. So yeah. I'm going to. And, and I tell you, those are the things that they are here to teach us about our own relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, I have that same narrative. I come home and I wonder, did my husband have a good day? Am I going to walk in and he's going to turn around and say, hey, honey, how are you today? Or is he going to turn around and say, what? You're not going to believe what happened at work. You know, so it's, it's again, you know, come in with the, the positive narrative of what's, what you, you know, want to have. And it's, it's, it's an intention setting. It's holding the positive. It's keeping things in a, a high vibrational place is what I look mm. at it as. Holding the positive. I'm going to spell that um, P-A-W-S. Yes. Positive. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I could claim this, but somebody else, I have the book that they wrote, but because I lead mindfulness meditation, and someone coined the term petitation. I know. I wish I claimed it. <laughs> That's so funny. I was going to do like mindfulness meditation, but I don't like the word much. And I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the word pet either because it, it's, I don't think it has a negative connotation, but when you think about pet, it almost sounds a little condescending. You know, you know, a pet might be something that, you know, requires a lot of you. And in my work, <laughs> we're the pets of them. Mm. <laughs> you know, they are such sentient beings and they're here to teach and, and, and help us in so many ways to grow and learn. So more like an animal companion. Yeah, yeah. Whether human, there are there are animal. I like to. I usually just say the animal or your an or and, and I always joke and say, you know, in the state of Florida, animals are um, are considered property. I said, and I don't like the energy of that. Yes, they mm. are your property, like a slave. No, <laughs> I 
I'm just saying, like, I mean, that was the other, like, living property. It's kind of similar but, concept but here the in Florida. Good thing, but the good thing is, if someone takes your property, you can go get it back. That's mm. the good thing. That's the only, that's the thing I always say. I, I joke around and say, can, in Florida, they're your property. So if someone steals your property, you can go by law and take the property back. That's why if an animal goes missing, there's a chip. You know, they usually have to wait, like, two weeks to see if anybody claims it. Um, because it's property. And, and, you know, after two weeks, if they've not claimed it, you know, because that's how we adopted our second Pomeranian. She was nine years old and she lived till 14. Mm. So she was a hot mess, but a beautiful <laughs> little, she was, she was traditional Pomeranian spin around full of energy. That's so cute. I, yeah, I wasn't a, a small dog fan until our current dog. And yeah. now I honestly yeah. don't know what I would do if I couldn't like cuddle them in my lap. <laughs> So if you were going to leave the listeners with like a final piece of advice, something that you've learned from your work that's really impacted you overall, what would you say that little advice or information would be? So since we're talking about animals, I would honestly say slow down when there's an animal present present, and just tap in and see what they have to offer. Um, and this, my own lesson from this is I meditate every morning and a lot of times I'm so busy with getting my, my, my phone timer set and my, my insight timer music in my ear and Bart, my, uh, the cat literally sits on my belly almost every single morning and meditates with me. And a lot of times he comes up and he starts nudging me and I'm like, no, Bart, I'm trying to set my phone. And I always go, uh, it takes me like two or three nudges. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. You're right. How are you, buddy? And I pet him and I kiss him and he brings me into the moment. So I'm so focused on getting ready for my quiet meditation time, making sure everything's just right because I only have so much time before I have to go to work. And he literally nudges me into the moment. So, and, and I'm not just talking about the animals in your house. If a butterfly catches your attention, you know, if, if an animal on TV, you can't get past, if a video scrolls by your screen and you just can't let it go, whether it's something funny or something kind of heavy, like, um, like a lion, if there was a lion that was killed in Africa that was kind of famous or something or became famous, you know, what is that saying to you? They're there to teach you a lesson. You know, April, the giraffe was giving birth online from New York. Oh, they do that a lot now. The hippo you know, that gave so, birth online. And, yeah. and, you know, a lot of times I scroll by and I'm like, yeah, okay. But all of a sudden a butterfly will just fly by and I'm like, wow, how does that? And I stop and I go, okay, what, is, what message do you have for me? Okay, go with mm. the flow. Okay, allow your transform. Okay, Mitch, you have wings now. You're no longer a caterpillar. Fly. So, yeah, so pay attention. All right. <laughs> That's a good one. You're speaking to the right person about and, butterflies, so... One oh. final thing that I, I keep, Spirit keeps telling me to say. So, and they can join me on Sunday nights. I do Talking Animals with Mitchell uh, live Facebook event, Sunday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay. So if they go to that event, because I put a new event every week, and read the rules, instructions, they can post a picture. And usually I get to three or five readings in a night, um, especially if someone has a missing animal. I will usually put that at the top of the list to tap in. Um, but it's just a cool time. They can kind of see a little bit more about animals. And I usually do a little bit of a lesson like we've done here as well. So Cool. So that was Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time yep. on Facebook. Facebook, yep. Which leads me actually to my next question, which is if someone <laughs> wants to become your new best friend or learn more about this, uh, what is the best way to get in contact with you? So uh, MitchellOsborne.com is my website. I'm on Twitter. I'm a, I'm a social media whore. So I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube, Facebook, Pinterest. Instagram. Uh, 
Did you say Instagram? Because that's where I live. Instagram, yeah. Yeah, Instagram is my second fave. Facebook is my main. I was on Vine, but it's no longer. Um, Mm. (laughs) I just can't do TikTok. I don't know what it is. I love to watch, but I can't. I have not gotten that far yet. That's okay. I am not a fan of TikTok. So Facebook, Instagram, your website, that all sounds good. Instagram, Facebook, (laughs) Mitchell Osborne. I will include all of those links um, in the episode notes below just so everyone can uh, chat. I will definitely be there Sunday. Was not aware that you were doing that. And I'm sorry I haven't made it to one, but I will certainly show up for that. And um, we will, we will, when you're ready, let me know. We'll set up a complimentary session for you and Venti. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) Or you and your husband will have to both be there. That'll be fun. Oh yeah. He will not miss that for the world. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, thank you again so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate you being here and I look forward to learning so much more from you in the future. Thank you. Thank you. It was my pleasure. All right. All right. That was my conversation with Mitchell. Did I take Mitchell up on that offer for an animal communication session? You better believe that I did. It was super cool to see how Mitchell even had the chance to dive into things like family dynamics and how me and my husband and our dog Ventimoka kind of work together as a unit. So I highly recommend that if you have an animal living or passed on, you should definitely check out Mitchell's work. You can do so by heading over to his website, MitchellOsborne.com, or you can follow him on Facebook or Instagram under at Mitchell Osborne. All of that information is in the show notes below. While you're out there roaming the wilds of the internet, make sure that you take the time to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. You can find me at The Diviner Life. And you can also check out my personal work with the Animal Kingdom that has to do a little bit more with insects and creepy crawlies. And you can check out all of that information over at smallspiritsstudios.com. Or you can follow our work on Instagram at small.spirits.studios. If you love the show, be sure that you subscribe so that you can be notified of new episodes like the episode I have coming out next week with Kevin Garcia, who will be talking all about bad theology, queer stuff, and Jesus. Thanks for listening. Remember to share with a pet lover, your veterinarian, your dog walker, or whoever else you may come in contact with today. Don't forget that I love you, I appreciate you, and until next time, be true, be you, be omnist.